It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Cougars. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And thank you for joining us on a Monday edition of the podcast. It is a film review Monday. What went wrong in BYU's 38-24 loss to Baylor? After rewatching the film, I'll share what I saw. We'll also catch up where BYU checks in or doesn't check in in the national polls and catch you guys up on how the weekend went in other BYU sports. So plenty to get to ahead on today's show. So without further ado, let's dive on in this is the locked on cougars podcast for october 18th 2021 What's up, my friends? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day. We love being with you guys every single day. I enjoy being with you guys every single day. As I mentioned, I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, as the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning. But I spend my, I guess, other parts of my day moonlighting here as your guys' host on this podcast talking and all things Cougars. If you have not done so already, please make sure you hit that follow button wherever you're listening in from. We are free and available on all podcasting platforms out there and currently working on getting on YouTube in the relatively near future. So stay tuned for that. All of you who are YouTube fanatics, we should be available there very, very soon. All right, getting going here on a Monday and that 38 to 24 loss to Baylor, I think will still sting for many of you. I don't blame you one bit. BYU was dominated in that game. There is no if, and, or buts about this one. Rewatching the tape, we'll talk about some of the takeaways I had momentarily, but my overall takeaway after rewatching the game and having watched it live in its entirety, just a game that Baylor came out and dominated, and BYU was powerless to stop it, it felt like. And that's an indictment a little bit on BYU as a team, coaching staff, players, All of them need to take a long look in the mirror and go back to the drawing board and get things fixed, if at all possible, because you can guarantee teams like Washington State and Virginia, they are not going to take any mercy on BYU. Georgia Southern and Idaho State, okay, those are teams you are frankly expected to beat and should beat handily. USC, who knows what you're going to be up against at the end of the season. But over the next two weeks, you got two Power 5 teams who are both currently, by the way, on three-game win streaks, so they know how to win football games, and you can guarantee that they are sitting there thinking, okay, we're going to go pick up another win against the Cougars. And the Cougars, speaking of Washington State, are up first and that'll be an interesting matchup this coming weekend. We'll kind of dive into that matchup throughout the upcoming week, but today we look back. It's a Film Review Monday. Normally this podcast, I post it on Sunday whenever I get it done, so it's available to you guys early. You guys can get a head start on the week, and thank you for joining us. All right, uh, so my first takeaway from this game, and Hans Olsen and I, who do the pre- and post-game coverage for the Zone Sports Network for BYU Games, the Cougar pre-game shows, and the post-game shows live from JCW's in Provo, 
we talked in the post game on Saturday how it felt like BYU went with what they call a light box against the run. That was a six-man box where BYU just put six men within five yards of the line inside that tackle box. So essentially from offensive tackle to offensive tackle, usually it stretches eight to ten yards across and about five to six yards deep on the defensive side. That is what is called the box. For those of you who may not understand that concept, any player who lines up in that area is considered in the box. And we were talking in the post game how BYU seemed to go with a lot of six-man boxes against a hard-running Baylor team who rushed for 303 yards in this win. Well, I went back and I chronicled every defensive snap for BYU, and they did go with what I would consider to be a seven-man box, but... Let me make one caveat on this. The seventh man in that box was Chaz Ayu, who is a converted strong safety. I love Chaz. He's a good human being. He has talked about multiple things about his off-the-field issues. He's a good football player. He is not good currently against the run. Whether it's he's too light because he's been playing safety. He's not a 230-pound linebacker. There's no doubt about that. He maybe weighs 210 pounds at the very most. He's just not up to snuff against the run right now. And BYU's linebackers, by and large, in this game, were not up to snuff for what they were going to face against Baylor. And that's... It's concerning because BYU faced, faces what Baylor runs on offense on a weekly basis when they go up against their own offense. Jeff Grimes implemented what BYU does on offense th- four years ago now. I, I don't get why BYU's linebackers, their DBs, their defensive line were so out of sorts, it seemed like. Was Baylor just simply that much more dominant? Maybe so, but you would think having some knowledge of what you expected from Baylor, BYU would have performed a little bit better, but they just did not. As I said in my postcast edition of the podcast immediately after this game, I felt like BYU needed to go back and try and figure some things out on the defensive alignment. I still believe that to be the case. I'm not calling for anybody's job. That is beyond my pay grade and beyond my, uh, I don't know, beyond my parameters of what I should be doing here because I am lucky to have a job doing what I do. I don't want to see other people lose their job, and it's not my job to call for that. Other people will make that decision. But Elisa Tuiaki and the defensive staff at BYU and Kalani Satake needs to be on top of this as well. They need to go back and reimagine what they're doing on their defensive alignments, especially when it comes to run stopping. It was not working against Boise State. It definitely didn't work against Baylor. And you can guarantee teams like Washington State, who, yes, I know that Nick Rolovich, we don't know what his status is going to be. He may be out of a job as soon as this evening, speaking of Sunday or tomorrow, Monday, when this podcast is technically being posted. He may be out of a job, and who knows what BYU will be going up against when they head to the Palouse this weekend. But... If they're smart, they'll look at what BYU's run defense has been and say, we are going to run this ball. I know that Washington State has run that run and shoot since Nick Rolovich showed up, and it's an offense that's predicated upon passing the ball more than you run it, but they have a very good running back in Max Borgie. They can pretty much guarantee themselves that they can say, okay, we're going to run the ball against BYU, and we'll see if the Cougars are up to snuff and stopping it. It's not good, folks, and I think BYU, I know you can't make a wholesale change in just a week, but you can make tweaks. You can make adjustments and try new things out, and I think BYU needs to try something new because it ain't working right now, whatever they're doing. 
All right, other things I took away from this. BYU's cornerbacks on the back end of this defense did not win one-on-one. There was not as much press man coverage in this game for BYU as I expected. And what I mean by press man coverage is BYU's cornerbacks did come up in man coverage, but they did what you call a bail technique is what I term and I don't know what the correct terminology is. I, I, I defer to others on the correct t- terminology. But what I mean is when they would come up and get in a, a, a wide receiver's face in this game against Baylor, as soon as the ball was snapped, BYU's cornerbacks were bailing out. And essentially, they were just running downfield, expecting Baylor's wide receivers to go deep. And that actually allowed Baylor to run slants. They were running hitch and goes. They were running hitch patterns, stop patterns, and they were able to hit on them. Gary Bohannon was very, very good in this game. And Baylor took advantage of that. BYU, this defensive effort, all in all across the board, not great. We saw guys in this game get dinged up. I saw Gabe Summers look like he got dinged up late in this game. We saw uh, appearances by Jacob Palu and Josh Larson, who are guys... I don't recall having seen play in large doses this year, if at all. Paulu, unfortunately, also got injured on the very series he came in on. Never saw him return to the game. So BYU was trying to find an answer, but they never found one. And when you give up 534 yards of offense, 303 rushing yards, it's just not good enough. And... Like I said, I, I'm not here. I can't tell you if somebody's going to lose a job or if BYU needs to have somebody step in like a Kalani Satake. I can't answer that question. But I know what they were trying did not work. Guys on the defense I thought had decent games, though, some standouts. We'll get to the offensive takeaways here in a moment. Uh, the guys I thought on defense that stood out and had decent days, they were not great. I, nobody, in my opinion, had what I would call an A game on defense. You can't, especially when you have 300 rushing yards. But I thought Max Tooley had a decent day at linebacker. Despite the linebacker struggling by and large, he had some pretty good plays, I felt like. Some tackles for loss, a nice PBU early in the game. I also thought that Tyler Batty, he forced Baylor to double-team him in this game, account for him at all times. That's always a positive sign if you're a if you're a defensive end and a defensive lineman. When a team gives you that respect where they're going to come after you with two and three guys in the blocking scheme, that means that you're doing something right. Also on uh, the backside of BYU's defense, I thought Malik Moore, he made up for a lot of what BYU struggled with in this game. And let's be frank, one thing that BYU, they uh, got the interception in the end zone early in this game. Peyton Wilgar making a nice read and Gary Bohannon just making an awful decision to throw it into traffic. And Peyton Wilgar intercepts that pass. And on the next drive, uh, Gary Bohannon slings a ball across the middle that appeared destined for the end zone. And Malik Moore makes a huge hit to break that pass up. Ends up as a field goal for Baylor. Well, if they get those two touchdowns, speaking of Baylor, this game's even worse of a route than it already was. I'm just saying, this was not a good defensive outing for BYU, and it's kind of my takeaways on defense rewatching it, but essentially, I would take everything you have done for the past two weeks on defense for BYU, wad it up, or uh, take the DVDs, whatever it is, take the iPads, wipe their memory, wad that plan up, toss it in the trash, and go back and try something new, because... What you have done the past two games has not worked. End of story. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we'll talk about what I took away from the offense watching this game, and it was actually better than the defense. So we'll get to that momentarily. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks, and Prize Picks is an interesting concept here, folks. It's daily fantasy made easy, and it involves college football and college athletics, unlike other daily fantasy sites. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more props for than anybody in the world in the college realm, and offers all of the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid-major players you may not have 
I've ever heard of. They offer any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. And the best part about it, you can make your... Uh, you don't have to spend hours and hours setting your lineups, that type of stuff. You can make your entries in 60 seconds or less. It's really that easy. You pick two to five players and an over-under on those projections. It's you versus those projected numbers, simple as that, and you can win up to 10 times back on any entry. Right now, when you go to pricepicks.com, you can get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use the promo code Locked On when you make that deposit to get that 100% match. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals, so get to the website now check out pricepicks.com use that promo code locked on for that bonus that 100 match or go to your app store and download their app today price picks is daily fantasy made easy all state wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere especially during march your eyes are on the road but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket their sudden braking puts you in a 16 car pileup that's anything but sweet and if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting platforms. And thank you again for taking some time to join us here on this Film Review Monday. Now flipping over to the offense for BYU for a moment. I thought BYU's offensive output in this game, in the passing game, was very, very good. Four deep balls covering, I think, 190-some-odd yards. That's always good. And BYU's wide receiving core, speaking of Gunnar Romney, Pukunakua, Neil Pau, they are about as good as anybody in the country in terms of 50-50 balls. And what a 50-50 ball is, it's thrown up, and it, there's a defender and wide receiver. So it's one man versus one man. It's a 50-50 proposition on who's going to either get the reception, who's going to break it up, get the interception. You get the concept. Well, BYU's 50-50 balls, BYU wins those more often than not. And I'm not going to say that Jaron Hall just needs to sling it deep every single time, but one thing that I would encourage him to, to take advantage of going forward is that BYU's wide receivers have proven that they are more than capable of winning those battles. So toss it up a little more often maybe and take more chances if you're Jaron Hall. And that's not to say, take anything away from Jaron Hall. He passed for a career-high 342 yards. He ran for a 56-yard touchdown. Jaron Hall was not the problem in this loss. Can I be more explicit about that? I'm not sure I can. But anybody who's blaming Jaron Hall for this loss against Baylor, you are up in the night and you need to reevaluate what you think of football, in my opinion. Is that enough for you guys? Hopefully it is. I thought Jaron Hall played a very good game. Completed 71% of his passes. Yes, there was a sack late in the game where he, there was a coverage sack. He bailed out of the pocket, and Tyler Algier actually had a very good block initially and then gives up on the play, and Jaron Hall holds the ball and gets sacked. It was the fifth sack of the game. Dylan Doyle, the guy who played linebacker, there's a leading tackler, speaking of Baylor, and then also scored two touchdowns against BYU. He gets the sack. BYU came into this game having given up, given up five sacks in six games. They were tied for eighth in the country for the least sacks given up. And then BYU gets absolutely obliterated on the offensive line to the tune of five sacks given up. They doubled their season sack total along that offensive line. A lot of that, I feel like, can be chalked up to the fact that they started two freshmen, two inexperienced guys in Connor Pay at right guard and Campbell Barrington at right tackle. Now, before you say, well, Jake, they've, they've played a lot and they should be more experienced. 
I would agree. Connor Pay had a very, very good game last year at center in the bowl game, filling in for Joe Tukuafu, who, incidentally enough, he filled in for against Baylor. And he's had his moments where he's been very good, but he is still a young player, and inexperience comes with young players. Campbell Barrington was making his third appearance for BYU, his second straight start in place of the injured Harris Lachance. They struggled all game long. Baylor knew what was going to happen. They ran twists and stunts. And the strip sack, when I felt like that game, in my opinion, for BYU uh, tipped on its head and it was just a, it was a kind of BYU getting run after that, I feel like that strip sack, Campbell Barrington and Connor Pay, they mixed up what they call a pass off. And what it is is when you have two players who run a twist. So we're talking about a defensive tackle and the defensive end facing off against Connor Pay and Campbell Barrington in this situation. Well, the defensive tackle loops outside to where the defensive end would normally be rushing, and the defensive end loops inside to where the defensive tackle is. Well, those two players have to communicate, and actually, literally, it's called a push off. You literally push your guy into the path of the other player that you are passing him off to. It's actually, it's funny when it's run right, you will legitimately sometimes see guys give each other a hip check or a full forearm shiver to get them into the path of that player. That did not happen in this game, and it gave up. I saw at least two of the sacks given up were on those twist stunts against those two freshmen. With youth comes inexperience, and Baylor took advantage of it and harassed BYU's right side of their offensive line. It made BYU's run game nearly non-existent when you run for 67 total yards and 2.8 yards per carry, and you have a guy who has 600 and averaging just over 100 yards a game in Tyler Algier coming into this contest, and you can't get him more than 15 carries. That indicates to you the offensive line did not hold up in the run game. They were not able to get in sync. So, hurry back, Joe Tukuafu. Hurry back, Harris Lachance. And in the worst way, and I know that I've talked about this in the postcast, BYU very much needs a bye week, but there is no rest for the Cougars here. They are going to be playing 10 straight games before they finally get that break. And whew, it's been a slog for BYU, and they'll have to continue to do their thing, but I felt like BYU did some things on offense. Puka Nakua is going to be an absolute star for BYU. That was very evident in this game. Gets his first touchdown in a BYU uniform. Good to see that. A back shoulder fade. We actually got two feet down. Very, very nice from him. He is proving to be everything that BYU hoped they would be. And I talked in a postcast how I felt like BYU needs to recruit more raw athletes. Well, Puka Nakua is evidence as to why. This was a kid who was a four-star, borderline five-star prospect at Orem High School. Had everybody in their dog from the Western United States including the entire United States, seemingly knocking on his door trying to get him to go play for them. He picks Washington, and Washington had to re-recruit him twice to keep him on campus during his time in Seattle because he felt like, you know what, I kind of want to go back to back home. But Washington coaches knew what they had in Pukunakua. Well, he decides ultimately to come to BYU, and as a sophomore, he is already on track to be one of the better, or if not the best, wide receivers in BYU history. He has all of the physical tools, and... I feel like BYU is starting to realize what they have in him, and they're starting to use him more and more. He's very good in that stretch run game. Speaking of the fly sweep, that type of stuff. Just a great athlete. 
and I really, really like what he is doing. The non-catch he had where he got his toe down, I went back and rewatched the play. I've read the rule book, and it was the right call, unfortunately. I thought it was an absolutely spectacular catch, but yeah, if you're going to be backwards going out of bounds, uh, you have to have full foot inbounds. You can't have a toe heel in that motion go out of bounds and have a count. If he was facing forward, essentially, so he catches the ball over his shoulder, and he has that toe tap, and the heel doesn't touch simultaneously, you get away with it. You get, that's actually a catch. It's kind of how the rule book is written. It's kind of one of those weird things. I like to see Isaac Rex get more targets in this game. But the biggest thing in this contest that I think did BYU in offensively, and it's something that's been going on for the better part of four games now, is BYU's snap disparity. And what I mean by that is BYU, if I'm not mistaken, it's somewhere in the 70 to 75 snap range over the past four games. BYU has been out-snapped. And that means the opposing offense has gotten more reps, gotten more snaps in-game than BYU's offense has. Evidence of that at halftime in this game against Baylor, Baylor had 44 offensive plays. They also had a 10-minute advantage in time of possession and BYU, conversely, just 22 offensive plays. I know that this is something that BYU needs to fix. They understand that, but the issue is their defense has not been getting off the field to give the offense the extra snaps that they are looking for. BYU is extremely good at having more snaps than the opposing team by and large last year during 2020. That's a product of the level of competition they went up against that season. I freely admit that. But BYU needs to find a way to find more opportunities for their offense on the field. Obviously, there's going to be some of you who say, well, why doesn't the offense just capitalize more on their opportunities? Yes, that is part of it. Yes, when you have the ball, hold on to the ball. It's, it's called possession game. Hold on to that ball and take advantage of it. I, I get that part of it, but the defense does need, give, need to give the ball back to the offense. You can't allow 7, 8, 10. What did we see against USF? A 12-minute drive? It felt like, I don't know how long it went. It was 19 plays. I remember that. And just, you cannot cannot afford to continue to have that happen and expect BYU's offense on limited possessions and limited snaps to put up the requisite numbers on offense to win games against high-level competition. It's evident, it's glaring, and it goes back, like I said, to the defense. The defense just was not good enough in this game. So there's a lot of bad from this game against Baylor, but the offense did not lose this game, I felt like. Uh, One note on special teams before we move on uh, to other things that happened in BYU sports over the weekend and wrap up today's show. Uh, Special teams-wise... There was a lot of bad. And the one thing, the worst thing in this game was that onside kick. Morgan Piper bailed out. And what I mean by that is Morgan Piper was the guy that Baylor scouted this. And by the way, this is not something that Baylor saw mid-game and said, you know what, let's just try an onside kick. They have special teams analysts and coordinators. BYU, in BYU's case, it's Ed Lamb and Gavin Fowler, who's his graduate assistant. They watch film on special teams and they look for things. Well, Baylor saw that BYU's front line of their kick return unit does what they call a bailout, where as soon as that kicker approaches the ball, they start taking off downfield to get set up for the return. Well, when you scout that and you see that, you say, hey, we can take advantage of this. And Baylor saw it. They took advantage of it. That kicker absolutely hit a perfect dribbler that went the requisite 10 yards. It was about 11 yards. He dives on it before Morgan Piper even was able to recover and even have an attempt at well, no, it wasn't even an attempt to get the ball back because the kicker was all over it uh, after it went 11 yards. That's scouting. 
BYU's special teams, in addition to their defense and some of the issues on the offense, just it was all the way around. Kalani Satake talks all the time about all three phases. Well, you cannot afford to have a team scout you and say, you know what, we can get away with an onside kick. They executed it to perfection. Uh, also, you had Ryan Rico hit his first real shank of the game in that end of half thing where you called timeout to run the ball a second time and put what I know Dick Harmon put out on Twitter, extra mileage on Tyler Algier, baffling. And then you have a shank by, by Ryan Rico who kicks it out of bounds, actually gives Baylor an opportunity to throw a Hail Mary at the end of the half. That ain't great, folks. And I don't understand any of that. So there was a whole lot to improve upon from this Baylor game. And I hope that they would improve on some of the stuff from, from Boise State. I saw some improvement in certain areas, but a lot of this stuff carried over. And that's unfortunate. So Oh, five and two uh, to from five and zero oh to five and two. And oh, by the way, BYU did drop out of the national rankings. I think many of you probably realize that by now. Uh, but just two weeks ago, two Sundays ago, BYU was the tenth ranked team in the country. There were conversations about BYU having a better resume than the University of Cincinnati Bearcats, who are now the number two team in the country. By the way, about them being maybe the better option for a college football playoff slash New Year's Six berth. But that's all gone because you lose two games and you drop like a stone. Free falling, as Tom Petty uh, once sang, or drop it like it's hot from Snoop Dogg. BYU is dropped like a stone out of the top 25. Can they get back in? Absolutely. Uh, there's no doubt that they can. There are, among others, receiving votes still currently in both the coaches and AP polls. But to go from number 10 to out of the top 25 in two weeks... That is rough, to say the least. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we'll wrap up today's show with some other notes on how other BYU sports did over the weekend. And uh, just kind of a teaser, they did pretty good, considering BYU's football team did not so good. We'll talk about all of that in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Absolutely love this company, and the best part is one of their best flavors. One of my favorite flavors is back. That is our friends over at Built Bar with the Cookie Dough Chunk. Built Bar has nine delicious base flavors, plus what they call their occasional limited time flavor, and Cookie Dough Chunk is back on the roster, so I'd encourage you to get it to Built.com right now and place your order. What I love about Built Bars is they're incredibly delicious. They taste as close to a candy bar as you will find in a protein bar. They're soft and easy to chew, and they are covered in 100% real chocolate. Absolutely love them. The best part is they're packed with macros. 17 to 18 grams of protein, just 130 to 180 calories per bar, 4 to 5 grams of sugar per per bar, and just 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. It is an absolutely incredible product. I want you guys to give it a shot. So get to built.com right now, place your order. While you're there, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Additionally, on that, you support BYU football when you support our friends at Built Bar because they have a name, image, and likeness agreement with BYU football players. So get to built.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order, support BYU football, and do it by supporting our friends at Built Bar. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at All Guard Pest Control. Absolutely love this company because I have personal experience with All Guard Pest Control. Seth and his team over at All Guard have been taking care of my home for all my residential pest control needs for the better part of two and a half years now. I did the math recently, and they have handled multiple issues that I have had. And the best part is I haven't faced those issues once again. I don't know if that's good or bad for Seth's business model, but it screams to me that he knows what he's doing. And that's what I love about All Guard Pest Control. They've got both the expertise, the know 
know-how and the manpower, I guess not both, all three, to handle any and all issues you might have, both residential and commercial pest control-wise, and they would love nothing more than to be your option for your pest control needs. They're a local company here in Utah, based in Utah County, but capable of servicing anybody up and down the Wasatch Front. Even out in the Tooele and Wasatch County areas, they'd be happy to come to you and take care of any and all needs that you have. If you want to reach out to them, please do so. 801-851-1812 is their phone number. You also can go to their website to learn more. That's allguardpestcontrols.com. That's allguardpestcontrols with an S. Take advantage of their services. They are the best of the best. Seth and his team, as I mentioned, have been taking care of my home. I'd love nothing more than for them to take care of your home, no matter what the issue you is. No matter what the issue is that you are facing, give them a shot as your solution for your pest control needs. Once again, the phone number 801-851-1812 or go to allguardpestcontrols.com. And when you make that call, make sure to tell them that Jay Catch and Locked On Cougars sent you so they can help you guys out. Before we go on this Monday edition of the show, let's run down everything else that happened over the weekend in other BYU sports. First thing, congratulations to BYU Senior Center. James Empey has been named a 2021 semifinalist for the Rotary Lombardi Award. It is given annually to the college football or offensive or defensive lineman who best exemplifies character and discipline. James has been an absolute stalwart, a four-year starter at center for BYU. He is very deserving of this honor. I would love nothing more than to see him be named a finalist and hopefully the winner of the award, but only time will tell to see if he ultimately is the guy who ends up hoisting that trophy. Be good to see him at least make it as a semifinalist, one of 12 to do that. The number three ranked women's cross country team went to the Nutty Comb Wisconsin Invitational, actually finished third. Uh, Aubrey Frethenway led the way with a 13th place finish. So not a great performance overall for BYU by their standards, considering they're the defending national champions, but you can guarantee that BYU will be looking to bounce back. Up next for the them. They are going to the West Coast Conference Championships. Those will be held Friday, October 29th at 10 a.m. Pacific time at Newhall Community Park in Concord, California. Plenty of time for them to improve upon their performance out there in Wisconsin. Uh, also, on the men's side of things, uh, number five ranked BYU men's, cr- men's cross country runner Connor Mance clocked a course record 22 minutes and 47 f- seconds flat in the main men's 8K to seize first place and help BYU as a team finish fourth at the Florida State Cross Country invite slash pre-nationals at Appalachian Regional Park on Friday. So Mance just getting it done, folks. I believe it is his sixth sixth win over the past two years. Connor was the individual national champion last year and very good to see him continuing to get it done. And I I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is the course that the national championships will be held on. So Apparently, he's already run the course record. You'd expect he's probably going to be the favorite going into that. Uh, Casey Klinger finished eighth in the race uh, to help BYU in terms of the top 10, but there are other finishes. Brandon Garnica, 19th. Lucas Bonds, 35th. Aiden Troutner, 68th. Adam Wins, 97th. So not great finishes for those guys, but BYU finishes fourth. Number one ranked Northern Arizona, BYU's long-term, longtime nemesis, finished first with 63 overall points. Number eight, Arkansas, second. Number seven, Colorado finished third, but a nice showing for BYU all the same. And now for the good news as we round out today's show, number 15 ranked BYU women's soccer defeated Pacific 6-1 to at Southfield on Saturday. Just continuing to absolutely trounce opponents when they come to Provo. Five goals in the first half for BYU made this one just a, br- a breath of fresh air in the second half. They just could take it easy. Cougars now 8-3-1 on the season, 4-0 in the West Coast Conference. They finished with 25 overall shots, 13 of them on goal. When you convert six, it's nearly a 
50% conversion rate. So congratulations to the women's soccer program. They're headed to California this coming week to take on San Francisco Wednesday. Uh, that'll be at 7 o'clock Pacific time, 8 o'clock Mountain time out there in San Francisco. There will be a live broadcast on the BYU radio network. And then also BYU number 8 women's volleyball program. They're riding an 11-match winning streak headed to number 24 Pepperdine on Saturday. Well, no problem. BYU won in four sets, 21-25, 25-19, 25-10, 25-18 to down the waves and make it a 12-match winning streak for the Cougars. They've given up, they've lost just two sets. Uh, the last two matches, funny enough, they've given up two sets overall during this 12-match winning streak. BYU's absolutely clobbering their opposition. They're 18-1 overall in the season. They're 8-0 in the West Coast Conference. The Cougars are back at home this week for a huge Huge showdown with 20, number 22, San Diego. That'll be Friday at 7 o'clock Mountain Time in the Smith Fieldhouse. I expect that the Fieldhouse will absolutely be rocking when the Cougars and the Toreros square off there Friday night. All right, that's going to do it for today's edition of the show. Thank you for making us your first listen once again. Make sure as soon as we wrap up here to get over to Locked On Big 12 and catch up on the latest news in BYU's new conference home. Our good friend Josh Neighbors does a great job getting you caught up on everything in the conference in 30 minutes or less. It is free and available on all podcast podcasting platforms just like this one. Also, make sure you follow this show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at Locked On Cougars. My personal Twitter feed, if you want to follow me there, is Jacob C. Hatch. And as always, feel free to weigh in with your thoughts via email. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address. All right, that'll do it. Have a great rest of your day whenever you hear this. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for October 18th, 2021. And we will talk to you guys tomorrow. tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket so don't wait find locked on college basketball on youtube or wherever you get your podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day